Good evening. You are listening to a Rattlegen Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, we continue our journey from the corner to the deuce. Deuces. We are looking at the great works of David Simon. We have covered the last three seasons and the movie of Homicide, Life on the Street, that he was an executive producer on and uh, story editor or whatever it was. We last month we had a good we had a good old fashioned man cry and talked about the corner. Oh yeah. But now, ladies and gentlemen, if you have been a longtime follower of the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network, you know that I'm a bit of a TV snob and there is no finer fruit plucked from the most healthy tree, God's tree, the fruit of knowledge, the best TV show I have ever seen, the r- measuring stick of which I hold all other shows. Ladies and gentlemen, we are finally here. We are discussing tonight season one of The Wire. And of course, joining me, holding my hand, crossing that bridge, is Lady, it's Juicy J himself, <laughs> Jesse Starcher. How do you do, sir? <laughs> the center square of the Rattlich and Broadcasting Network bingo card, The Wire. <laughs> it's finally time, man. It is time yeah. to talk about what you've talked about for a very, very long time inside conversations in things that you were just like you know the wire and everybody's like check mark check yeah so (laughs) buddy this is uh this is something that i know you had held dear for quite a while i heard you talk about it so much that finally what was it i think two or three years ago i sat down and i was like i'm gonna start this show Mark likes it an awful lot. Let's check it out. Sat down with the wife and it's started. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. uh, I started the I started the first season. We got through uh, up to season four. I think halfway through season four, and then kind of fell off. But I really enjoyed what I was watching. So it was great to kind of go back and revisit this again as we are uh, doing this project. So I was able to watch season one and actually finished it up yesterday with the wife again and again enjoyed myself so this means an awful lot to you so i'll turn uh, i'll turn it over to you sir what do you got to say about it first you know well you know it's funny um i don't re-watch a lot of television like i watch something i I watch it once and then i'm done with it um as we've over the years as we've been doing these tv reviews i tend to binge stuff closer to when we're reviewing it so it's fresh in my head because i don't re-watch things do you know how many times i've re-watched the wire (laughs) A lot. Yeah. Um, we went on, we went to the Outer Banks when Lily was maybe less than a year, year old, somewhere in, somewhere in her infancy. And 
while we were in the Outer Banks uh, vacationing with my best friend and his family, I rewatched The Wire. During the time that I was going through chemo <clears throat> and I was bedridden a lot when I wasn't getting up to work, um, <laughs> I rewatched The Wire. I also binged Game of Thrones, but uh, I rewatched The Wire during that. I have, like, with without anything else to watch in my boredom rewatch the wire i have rewatched this series so many times like i there are parts of it where i'm just like this isn't really important to the plot this isn't important to the plot we'll just fast forward through things <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i know exactly like i know i know the scene already so you know, i don't you know what me yeah you know what's yeah. meaningful what's not yeah I right get you. So, like, I think one of the rewatches I did, I, like, sped-watched it. Because I'm like, I don't care about this. I'm like, Bubbles, fuck that guy. And I just... You know, I just like, bubbles! No. Oh, I, could, I cared so little about the Bubbles character. Oh, bummer. why? Why? Uh, well, first of all, what is this show? Let's talk about that real quick. Um, according to the wiki, The Wire is a crime drama television series created and, created and primarily written by author and former police reporter David Simon. The series was broadcast on cable network HBO in the United States. It premiered on June 2nd, my birthday, 2002, right. and ended on March 9, 2008. And it nearly broke my wife, um, <laughs> comprising 60 <laughs> episodes over five seasons. The idea for the show started out as a police drama loosely based on the experience of his writing partner, Ed Burns, a former homicide detective and public school teacher. Set and produced in Baltimore, Maryland, The Wire introduces a different institution of the city and its relationship to law enforcement in each season while retaining characters and advancing storylines from previous seasons. The five subjects are in chronological order are the illegal drug trade, the port system, the city government and bureaucracy, education and schools, and the print news medium. Simon chose to set the show in Baltimore because of his familiarity with the season. Um, season one... Uh, Ran for 13 episodes, and it tells the story from the point of view of both the drug-dealing Barksdale organization and the investigating police detail. So, why do I love this show so much? Um, one, I, count the ways. <laughs> I am drawn to gritty realism. Um, as people know, I'm, I'm not just a podcaster. I'm also a professional social worker. I have always been drawn to substance abuse. Um not doing the substance abuse, like <laughs> I've been, um, providing substance. <laughs> Just abuse can't escape. <laughs> and he hates bubs. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> um, and anyway, um, now I've always been I've always been drawn to the drug culture, either as somebody providing assistance, counseling, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of my a lot of my research papers when I was in grad school were, were about harm reduction and uh, the effects of. Uh, what, what would be the social effects of drug legalization as opposed to continued criminalization of substance abuse. Uh, I like drugs. And I also, a little bit about my history, um, for the, from the ages of like birth to 12, I lived in an all-black neighborhood. I lived in a black neighborhood that had its fair share of drugs. So you could see like in the, uh, so this is Uniondale, New York, just, you know, in the same city that hosts the Nassau, I don't know what it's called now, but it was the Nassau Coliseum when I lived there. It's where the Islanders Islanders play. Saw a lot of professional wrestling back in the day there. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was a halfway decent neighborhood, but it also had its fair share of drugs. And so I remember walking to school and there were crack vials in the street and, and heroin vials and stuff like wow. that. Yeah, there were parks I was not allowed to go to because they were active drug dens. I went anyway because I was a dick as a child, just as an adult. 
<laughs> um, when I could go, like I, I, anytime I was like, like I'm going out and play with my friends. Well, don't go to Smith Street Park. There's drug dealers there. I'm like, I'm going anyway. You um, subjected yourself to that, and you did not become a user or anything like that. So that's. Uh, I mean, I was in elementary did, school. Did you tell? Um, did you, I was going to say, well. <laughs> don't matter did you tell your parents hey look i went and nothing ever happened to me oh, the, everything was fine me if i did um oh, boy. So, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i so there's something about the um african-american culture that is also you know just a part of my who i am a part of my personality a part of my soul uh and so between my natural sort of attraction to the drug culture and uh the, the drug culture and my natural attraction to elements of the African-American culture. Um, plus I've always been a fan of like police dramas um, and, you know, uh, detective stories, that sort of thing. Yeah. Probably why I was yeah. a big fan of like Batman uh, as a kid, you know, and I've always, and I've said this time and time again, if I'm not talking about the wire, I'm talking about Batman um, that I was, I was drawn to Batman because before he became completely written to appease the fanboys and the incels and the neckbeards. Uh, Batman was a detective, you know, in a fancy costume, not a ninja. He, he would become a ninja later. But when I was reading Batman comics as a kid, he was more of like a figure it out kind of a guy. And that's what I liked. Yeah. So between detective elements, drugs, and black folk, um, I remember, and I've told this story before, but I remember catching an episode of The Wire, just flipping through channels. And, you know, we talk about inclusion, we talk about casting, and you generally don't see a lot of, especially like middle-aged black men all on camera at the same time. So when I saw a scene of The Wire as I was flipping through HBO, and I saw, I think it was like Lance Reddick, um, I can't remember the actor who plays the uh, the police commissioner, but... Got them all right here. Yeah. Uh, uh frankie frankie five yeah yep i remember um like i was like holy cow like why are all these like middle-aged black men all on the screen at the same time did we break a law somewhere like what happened here (laughs) um and and i was immediately like hooked like what are they doing what are they talking about i remember my first watch of the wire i couldn't understand half of what they were talking about because i i didn't watch it from the beginning i watched it from whatever episode i happened to have caught and you know they're like there's so much minutia in the show, uh, in the language that I was drawn to it, but I was drawn to it like one would watch a foreign film. Like, I don't know what you're saying. It's all in French. Right. right. <laughs> but I but I'm I'm weirdly interested and I'm gonna keep oh, watching yeah. this and try to figure out what's happening in the show. Um, and a few episodes in I was hooked and I had to go back and watch it from the beginning. Um without being silly. I can honestly say I, I really do feel like The Wire is the best written show in the history of television. And not just because of the reasons that I mentioned, but because of the things that it talks about, the way in which it talks about it. Um, some people have described The Wire as being too real, being too sad. Like, oh, it, to, to, did, the, did they see the corner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. The tacit recognition. Well, I think by the time you get to the end of The Wire, it's competitive with the corner. Um, yeah. we'll okay. get there in four months. Um, <laughs> but the the tacit recognition that you know most people who are not directly living in filth and squalor 
look at the wire and go, this is, a, this is not why I watch television. This is too real. This makes me feel too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing that drew me to it. You know, I like that. I, you know, I like this reflection of the sadness and um, gritty realism tragedy of American life. Yeah, I love it. I really do. I don't know what 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 kind of person that makes me, but I just love the shit out of it. Uh, I love the language. I love the way that the characters talk to each other. Um, I love the fact that it editorializes so many different issues in modern urban life. Um, it you know it years before Black Lives Matter and defund the police and all of that. This show was talking about the um, institutional racism in the police force and the militarization and how it dehumanizes the very people that they're sworn to protect. Um, I love the fact that it talked about, you know, something that Freakonomics also brought up that, you know, not every drug dealer is a millionaire. A lot of them are just, you know, making just enough money for sandwiches and sodas. Yeah. When, you know, in, in typical TV fashion, when you would see a drug dealer on the mm-hmm. screen, your instant like how they're going to paint that person right is going to be usually in a negative light. Number one mm-hmm. and number two, you know they're going to be you know, they're going to be yeah just like you said dressed from head to toe and they're going to you know be wearing chains. They're going to look like millionaires. Yeah. But what this show does is it shows you that these people just. And it's Trying to live, trying to make money, trying to get by, trying to survive in the mm-hmm. environment that they're in. And that's one thing that The Wire does is it, it humanizes what you probably were detached from in right. what regular television will show you for that aspect of people. It um, paints people that are often um, judged and, you know, judged, ignored, treated harshly as sympathetic characters, you know. No, nobody in the wire is innocent on either side. Right, right. Nobody right, in the wire that's... is all bad or all good. It treats the entire thing with a humanity. I don't think that is often seen in in American fiction, right? On television, right. Um, and that's that's one of the reasons why I hold it in such high esteem. So, let's talk a little bit about what the wire actually is. Essentially. The setup to the wire is we have a detective who has become um, detached from what he's doing. He's frustrated, and he watches um, he watches a member of the drug dealing organization, the Barksdale organization, essentially get away with murder. And he makes a point of saying that you know he he he's a he's a homicide detective. This is McNulty. Yep. Um, he's a homicide detective. Who has sort of, he's sort of at the end of his rope and he just sort of sees the futility of what they're doing. You know, it's just like solve a murder, another murder happens, solve a murder, another murder happens. It just feels like he's shoveling shit against the tide. And he thinks, like, you know, if we could just shut down the Barksdale drug organization, we could save lives. 
yeah, become, you make an impact. Yeah, he, he becomes a crusader. Um, and he has a friendly ear in Judge Phelan, who then puts pressure on Police Commissioner Burrell to say, hey, put a detail together. Let's let's do something about this Barksdale organization. And there's reticence and resistance to doing so because that's just not how things are done. You know, and yeah. that is and so that's on the surface. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff they right. start to find out later that there's underneath uh, because so of that. too. Over the course of 13, why is it called The Wire? Because it's about how um, it, it, it is an editorialization about the militarization of policing and the futility of it all. And that there is a better way, but a better way is not as sexy and exciting as you know one would one would hope or one would believe it is in fact a lot of sitting around getting intel on your targets collecting said intel create you know getting warrants <laughs> and and you know and bringing people in with enough probable cause that you'll win a trial if necessary right right um the the tagline that I loved seeing when I was going through some of the images online was, you know, it had the, the poster and it said the wire. Then below it said, listen carefully. Right. And it's it's all about like them trying to get that intelligence in order to put that case together. But they run into so much red tape. Just mm -hmm. you think it'd be, hey, we could put these. Well, you we know, it's these funny. drug dealers right to jail. Have you, you got to people follow the letter wall? Have you talked to people in your family who's like the government's spying on us? You know, there's drones everywhere. You know, <laughs> like they fly over, they fly over. They really do. Um, <laughs> but like, you ever talk to just idiots who are like, oh my God, the government's listening in on our phone call? Like, do you, and what the wire does is it basically says, like, you know how hard it is to do that? We are right. so protected. We're so protected by, by constitutional rights that it is nigh impossible for any kind of policing organization to truly spy on you without sufficient cause and even you know so just as an example um freeman lester freeman says at one point in order for us to listen to a call and use it as evidence somebody has to be watching when that person uses the phone right if it's exactly and, and i think you know they got the whole non-pertinent rule you got to listen right. to it for like and then you turn it off if it's after like mm -hmm. four was it 45 seconds or something like right. that that if it's not pertinent um so yeah there's there's all this stuff that's set in place and it's in all order to make protect some... your privacy it's all right. to protect you and yet we because we're such a paranoid and idiotic <laughs> culture well like, I think, a, oh, my God, like the government's spying on us. It's like, you have no idea. And that's one that's of the things, things I love though, about the show. One of the things, granted, okay, yeah, laws are laws. But one of the things you can definitely say nowadays is that this was in 2002. Right. All right. We are now 20 years past that. Mm -hmm. The amount of technology mm -hmm. has absolutely increased Right. Uh, it, you know, it's way easier to do what they were trying to do back then. And, but again, there are laws in place to protect all that, but still right. a lot of things have changed too. Uh, and well, we, we, we joke about like the government, you know, when we do these podcasts, the government's listening on like your, you know, your Amazon. You're on the list now. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned one word of something. Right. And we joke about it. But again, what the wire talks about is the minutia of having to do all of those things, and it's not easy. Right. You know, it talks about the the how to get probable cause and the importance of it versus 
you know, the cops that just feel like this is an opportunity to beat the shit out of people in your neighborhood, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. So I was going to say the mm-hmm. one thing that stood out to me, I think it's like right in the first bit of these few episodes, the uh, distinct, the, the, the distinguished difference mm. between the technology that the state level has versus mm-hmm. the federal government has, because right. McNulty has a friend that's in the, I think he's in the FBI. He's in the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. And they walk in on the, this fancy thing, this fancy mm-hmm. wire that they've got going on all this right. technology. And they're looking around they're like, you know, they're still doing things by paper. They hardly have a computer that they can use right. it's, it, it, on this, on this uh, state level of things. So it's, it, that's another thing that they kind of see is that the state only has so much money to allocate towards doing something like this. Right. It's not uh, even the like federal even government has a bigger the city of Baltimore that they're on the city budget. Oh, that's right. The city. Yeah. So, I mean, it just probably, you know, progressively right. goes down. Well, there's a line that Burrell says later on in the, we're all over the place, but there's a line that Burrell says in the show where he's like, your wire is costing me X amount of millions of dollars a day or some like crazy. Right. Figure. Like, right. The, there, there is this, there's a lot of like Forrester, I think, says it too, um, where he's like, I'm not risking my career for something I don't care about. It's, and I'm mm. paraphrasing. Um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of we get by by doing X. So all we're going to do is X. But is X effective? That's immaterial. It's accepted. Accepted. Th- th- this There's an inertia that is talked about in The Wire about policing. And I, I just love it to death. Um, so just to kind of wrap up this little first bit of our discussion here, uh, Judge Phelan orders, uh, not orders, asks Burrell to set up a detail. The detail is like humps and fuck ups because they don't really want to do this. They want to do just enough to satisfy the judge so he'll go away. Right. There is no interest in actually bringing down this organization. So it's like, they're going to put just enough just enough talent and interest in getting a few low-level drug dealers and call it a day, which yeah. is not They've what McNulty wants. Right. They've been told to do it, so they're going to do it, but they're right. going to do it in the absolute worst way possible. <laughs> yeah, it, it with low effort at best. Right. And McNulty um, is willing to trash his own career and reputation to to fight with everybody to move this forward because he believes with religious with religious zealotry, zealotry that if he could only bring down the Barksdale organization things will get better and it's funny because the great tragedy of the wire is nothing makes anything better Mm-mm. we'll get to it with season two but my friend Chuck had the funniest line when we were watching it because at the end of season two a truck opens up and drugs go one way and girls go another and he looks at me and he goes so the moral of the story is nothing stops drugs and bitches <laughs> or drugs and whores. That's what it was. <laughs> Nothing stops drugs and whores. <laughs> and and how that is the great tragedy that the wire speaks to. Um, right. So they they get the they realize that they're not going to over the course of the thirteen episodes. The detail becomes more invested in what they're doing. They believe in the cause. The cause moves them forward. And you know everybody is 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 hurt by this. Kima gets. Kima gets shot, like legitimately shot, and yeah. uh, is out of commission there for a while. McNulty is demoted and put on um, the uh, Harbor Patrol. Uh, Lance Reddick, who plays um, 
oh gosh, Lieutenant Daniels. Daniels is like sent to property, I think. Like he gets you know, he uh he gets passed over for promotion, like shoved someplace he doesn't need to be. Um Lester Freeman, he ends up being taken out of the pawn shop unit and put in, you know and put in the homicide taking McNulty's place. Um uh, another right. guy another guy uh who was initially sent in as kind of a spy in the, from the homicide unit who ends up you know not doing what uh is, is asked of him he gets demoted to the paddy wagon um, oh yeah he's he's out patrolling the streets yep which funny because you'll catch up with him in like a later season and i think it's season three when you find out he's on the paddy wagon he's like this is the best gig ever i'm still paid <laughs> a, as a homicide detective and all i do is drive the van it's great <laughs> i love that um yeah. and and then that's another thing that this show shines a light on. It's like, you know, these people, it, there's a lot of personal vendettas, mm-hmm, yeah. especially from the top down. How, how little of this has to do with effective policing and more right? of covering one's own ass. Right, right. You know? Or making sure you get one over on that guy because he did something to you. Well, that's another uh, thing that happens is, you know, over, so they get the wire because they need the intel. The intel is what gives them the higher ups and that's who they're after. That's the whole show. But at one point, and this is so funny because Lester gets really invested in what they're doing. And he's like, okay, now we need to start following the money. And, the, and they say the line a few times throughout the course of 13 episodes. If you follow drugs, if you follow the drugs, you get drug dealers. You follow the money, you don't know who you're going to get. And there's right. a whole sequence of events that has to do with shit. Okay. Um, state senator. Uh, he, he did not say at all this season, I don't think. No, I don't think he's, uh, he did no, not. That, he showed up one episode, right. maybe two, but he did right. not drop because, the shit. Because Day Day's money got, t- got took. Um, <laughs> yeah, state senator shit. What's Isaiah Whitlock's character's name? Oh, I don't have it in front of me. I thought I had all of them, but not that. Um, guy. Yeah, uh, you know, Senator, I, we, all you have to do is say shit, and everybody's going yeah, to everyone knows about. who he is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they they start following the money, and that's how they 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 end up on Day Day, and Day Day's got drug money in his car, and but because he's connected to Burrell, he, they have to give the money back, and there's no charge, and there's no nothing. There's all you know, and what they realize is that the Barksdale organization is like you know sending money to politicians they're, they're mm-hmm. donating for favor and a variety of things and there's like i think there's a sequence where like like politicians are like giving the money back and you oh, know yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> they're like it's just storm. to let you know we are returning all this money to these yeah. uh, contributors and, 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 and there's burrell like well, right in the middle of all this going i just asked you to arrest some drug dealers i didn't ask for any of this <laughs> and they don't right. want it you know <laughs> because so, then at that point it becomes a big deal which yeah. probably means they're going to have to put more work in on this and probably make more enemies if that's the case because that, I guarantee you Deputy Commissioner Burrell does not want his you right. know he wants that he's all about the politics with Isaiah Whitlock and Lance Reddick at the, when they're at opposite table and they're like this stupid motherfucker right. <laughs> you better tell, it, Burrell you better tell this motherfucker what time it is it's like yikes and it's, it's about that yeah it's about that time that Daniels finally is just like he, he's finally fed up with the bullshit because yeah you know, they've been trying to ride his ass about falling in line, falling in line, and he's pissed off about having the detail. And finally, right. he feels like they're making a difference. And now we got the senator coming in. Right. And he's just like, well, whatever, man. I, you know, if, if you ha- if, if you haven't done anything, you ain't got anything to worry about. I'm going to I'm going to wrap <laughs> that, up the first half of this just by, by saying that they, uh, you know, it eventually pays off. They get almost everybody. They, the only one they 
so along the way, um, and this is the second part of the story, and I really have to address this, and then I'm going to turn it over to you for your notes and, and guidance, because we'll be here for another six hours if you let me talk. So that's I took a nap before. We're good. <laughs> so we've been talking for this first half an hour really about the policing side of it, but it would be we would be neglectful and derelict if we did not talk about the Barksdale organization. And the heart and soul of this show is D'Angelo. So right. when we meet D'Angelo, he allegedly shot a guy. Um, and he's on trial. And that's what that's what prompts this whole thing is that they the witness backs up on their story. He ends up getting uh not guilty. And that's what sends McNulty over the edge to go to Phelan and be like, what the what the fuck with all this? Mm. But you follow D'Angelo's story, and D'Angelo has D'Angelo's caught between this place of is this legacy of drug dealing my entire identity, or do I get to be my own man? Mm-hmm. And that's what he's struggling with. Also, do you know, is he hard enough? Is he uh does he have what it takes to be an effective leader in a drug organization or is his heart too big is he too soft and these are the things he runs up against so like he gets demoted within like the first episode or two after shooting somebody and you know costing them money to get him out of prison um and he gets he gets demoted from the higher the one of our apartment buildings they, they were dealing with to the projects and that's where you meet um michael b jordan's character wallace Where's Wallace? You meet Bodie. Me, where's Where's Wallace, motherfucker? Um, Bodie, who was Kenny from Oz, uh, who's great in this. Uh, you meet Poot, and you get and through that story, you're not only learning about you know how how just caught and torn to pieces D'Angelo is, but you're also kind of shown in this particular instance in 2002 Baltimore how drugs are dealt. And it's not just the guy standing on the street going, going, want drugs. You know, there's like a whole thing to it. They talk about, you can't, you can't take the money and hand the drugs over. Then you're, you know, you're implicated that way. If someone's taking pictures, that sort of thing. So there's like a whole, you know, they have, so you have this like, uh, Lord of the flies esque setting of derelict and poor children in a projects hired as lookouts and dealers and runners to all right. in the, all, all to sell heroin and crack to the locals who are lining yep. up for blocks to get it. There's a really great little sequence where they're like giving away tasters. They're giving away free drugs so that people will come back to buy more drugs. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and just the utter abuse. Like, so we, I, I jokingly talked about bubbles and how I don't care about his story. Um, poor Bubs, but, poor Bubs. But, uh, hit, but Bubs and Johnny. Johnny gets beat to shit. Uh, oh man, they, does he ever? They're 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 counterfeiting bills and they use it to try to buy drugs and they fuck up and Johnny gets his ass beat. Um, and that's what prompts Bubs to start snitching for the police. And that's what kind of gets the that's what really gets the ball rolling for the investigation. But um, going back to Johnny. And that scene with the uh, with the tasters, just how abusive and dehumanizing they the drug dealers are to the drug users. Oh yeah, you know. And then now contrast that scene with the uh, with the sequence where Herc Carver and dipshit McGee, um, uh, Presbyluski, Presbyluski, yeah, 
show up to the high rises to just bully people, and Presbyluski hits a kid in the eye. Right, fucks him <laughs> up. His line, by the way, later on is like, "Motherfucker, trying to pit me for a Reese cup." <laughs> <laughs> yeah shakespeare people shakespeare. Uh, that's right that's right <laughs> um <laughs> so good like but like it's just baltimore is presented on a city about to go over the edge you know and everyone's just tearing each other down drug dealers are tearing down the drug users the drug users are tearing themselves down the police are tearing down the drug dealers Everyone, you know, the pol and, and then you know the politicians and the higher ups are tearing down the cops. Like everyone's just ripping each other to shreds, right? Um, and for what? Like for to what end? For what purpose? And and I think that is one of the, again the great tragedies of the show is there is none. It's just mm -hmm. the state of where we are right now, or at least right. where we were in two thousand two. Um. So we meet Stringer Bell, and he's sort of the right-hand man to Avon Barksdale. Avon Barksdale is the one with the connect. He's the he's the guy at the top of the table. He's the you know he's, he's the, the kingpin. One, yep, he's the one with the who organizes everything. And then we meet Weebay, who's their like personal assassin essentially. Mm -hmm. I think I can't remember if it's Sticky Fingers or the other guy from Onyx who plays Bird. Um, and then okay, I, I'll talk about this, and then I'm gonna turn it over to you. We have to talk about. The man with the shotgun who robbed oh, Omar. Omar. Omar's yes. coming. Omar's coming. So I remember like in a documentary about The Wire about how everyone wanted to be Omar until they saw him kissing a dude. <laughs> He's so gay. Oh, boy. <laughs> Omar robs drug dealers. And, uh, and to teach Omar a lesson, they kidnap his partner and boyfriend and torture him to death, which yeah. sets Omar up to give the cops intel, which again helps them take down uh, members of the Barksdale organization, namely Bird, uh, but Weebay as well is, I think, where that leads. So, and, and I mean that sets Omar off too. I mean, it's yeah. not—he's—he's he's so upset that he's helping mm -hmm. the police, which you wouldn't think that this person would. Well, do, they initially approach one. him, and he's like, "I'm not going to stop you from doing what you're doing." But I'm not going to help either. That's just not how the game is played. Then they torture Brandon. And he was like, well, this is above and beyond what is called for in these types of things. Like, it's right. one thing to catch a bullet. You know, that's how the game is played. It's a whole other thing to go out of your way to torture somebody. Like, no, you people, you people are not honorable and must be taken. To, it's, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It's just a really right. interesting set of sequences where he's basically like, I can live with drug dealers you know, and, and the, uh, you know, and, and the consternation and interactions that we have, the, you know, the antagonism. I can live with the, the natural antagonism of me who robs drug dealers and drug dealers who will shoot back at me. Mm -hmm. What you did is so bad that it's beyond what is acceptable for me in my line of work. And now I must go to the cops to help bring you down because right. I don't have, I don't. Because even one man with a shotgun is not going to be enough. It crossed that line. Right. Um, Omar is such a, a great poetic. By Michael K. White, who is no longer with us. Um, he's also on Boardwalk Empire and a bunch of other things. But, you know, mostly known as playing Omar with a big scar across his face. Uh, brilliant. Just a brilliant character. Later on in, I think it's like season four, um, Omar has such a reputation. He He's such a... 
he's such a name character that as he walks down the street, drug dealers just throwing drugs at him. Yeah, and he, just... and he went and he went to go get Cheerios um, from the corner store, and he comes back. And he's got a new boyfriend at this point, and he puts the drugs on the table, and the guy goes, "They run out of Cheerios." <laughs> You know, yeah. there's nothing funny about the corner, but there were some really funny parts to the wire. But all right, Jesse, yeah. I've done my my 30 some odd minutes of gushing wildly about the wire. What are some of the notes that you have that you want to talk about? OK, all right. Well, let me just I'll, I want to go ahead and kind of give you some of my favorites mm -hmm. uh, that happened throughout this series. I will tell you that my favorite character in this series is Lester Freeman. Yeah, uh, I really identify Smooth with this Lester guy. Freeman, baby. Oh man! Hey, hey, how many how many years was he in the pawn shop? Uh, oh crap! I, was it like fourteen years of like thirty six hours because like he that. made somebody mad. Right, he made somebody upset, and they sh shut him on a shit detail. Yeah, and then and just forgot about him. He's a good cop, and that's one of the he was a homicide detective. Right, one of the terms that you hear a lot that I really had never heard until i started watching the wire mm -hmm. was good police that person's yeah. good police right and lester freeman's good police he is a person who natural definitely he's yes. natural police he, yeah yeah it's good to, it's cool to see him uh you know get in on this team which he he doesn't even look like he's going to contribute anything at the beginning of this and well, you, you know, remember what he gets Daniel put says on there. about him when, they, when they're talking about who they have when he's trying to bargain to get sindor and he's like, well, who do you have? And he's going through the names. And it's like, this guy's a drunk. This guy's a fuck up. You know, and then he gets to Lester Freeman. He's like, he's a cuddly house cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Lester knows his shit and he's natural. Yeah, police. He yeah, he does. Mm. Uh, it's great. It, it's great to see him kind of evolve on the team. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I had listed down here on my notes. We, we talked about uh, the war on drugs and politics. Mm -hmm. That's just I've, that's all over this show. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is the evolution of these bunch of fuck ups coming together. You can call them fuck ups, but, you know, mm -hmm. these these bunch of people who were just pulled together because they didn't think they would gel enough to get anything done, become a team mm -hmm. and actually try to make an impact with what they're doing um now granted there's a lot of bumps along the way but by the end of this thing these guys are learning to work together right um, and that kind of leads into one of my i have i have a three favorite scenes from the wire season is one, one of them the, is it one of them where they're retracing the murder of the one lady out in the county and they just say fuck the entire time number two on the list yes the apartment Woo! scene where they all say fuck. That's the we, whole time. The whole time that? it's like multi, huh? We just re reenact hey, it. Hey Jesse. I cannot reenact it. <laughs> fuck. 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 Fuck me. Fuck. 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 That's such a great scene. <laughs> I, really, uh, again, brilliant. I, and what it does is it it in a humorous light, it shows mm -hmm. you police work being done. Like these guys, you watch it from them stepping in there. Let's do anatomy. Of a, let's do an anatomy of a scene. They are there on a cold murder case. They are going back. So if you're the setup to that is they're going back over old cases that they can link to the Barksdale organization. And Jay, their sergeant's like, go look at this one. This one might work. And they're like reticent to do it. They're like, this doesn't match the profile. Like 
this doesn't make any sense. Right. And Bunk even said, and Bunk is McNulty's partner. Um, you know, he's always with the pinstripe suits and all of that. Um, you know, he's sort of he's sort of <laughs> McNulty's guy. Jiminy Cricket. You know, yeah. he's like trying to stop McNulty His from drunk every... Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, well, pretty broke <laughs> drunk. Um, but I mean, like, if you think about it, like Bunk is good police. And Bunk is the one, like, just trying to get McNulty to not set himself and everything else on fire. You know, he like, McNulty is is so filled with indi- indignant rage that he doesn't, you know, that he cuts off his nose to spite his face. And there's Bunk going, maybe put the knife down. Yeah, so, yeah. So Bunk says to him, when, when Jay's like, because there's a lot of BS and there's a lot of, like, ooh, do this too. This should be part of the detail, but it really doesn't, it, it really isn't. You know, it's just like, they're just trying to get over but in this particular case jay's like no I, I think this i think this is something i think this, this will be useful to you and mcnulty's like you know just just suspicious and untrustworthy uh, untrusting and he won't do it and bunk's like why don't we do it anyway and make a sergeant happy like right. there's always bunk going could you please see the forest for the trees you just righteous self-centered dick face for once <laughs> for do one. what they're asking you to do yeah, right <laughs> and so they're there to figure out what all took place and the the anatomy of that see it's funny because they say it's memorable because everyone says you know because of the fuck thing it's the only line of dialogue in the entire thing it's just them saying fuck over and over again great but what they're really doing is they're looking at a scene that has already been cleaned up and is months old right. they're looking for they're looking for a bullet yeah. So they have pictures. They're trying to figure out where the body was, and then they're examining things, and they find, I think, like half a bullet's in the wall, the other half's in the fridge. Yeah, well, uh, I do know that they pulled the slug out of the fridge. Right. Uh, and then they found the casing. They found the casing in the grass, yeah. Right. They And, which, and so know, they're doing it, things with, like, tape measures and angles right. and shit. You're trying to figure out, like, what the hell? I remember I watched it again, and I'm like, what the hell is he doing with the tape measure? Oh, mm-hmm. well, he's actually measuring how far this casing would have flew from the gun if the gun right. would have been right there, and then that led him to the casing. And I was like, the amazing wow. Amount of, like, like, minutia, the amazing amount of detail <clears throat> in, the, um, in the event of shooting a gun at a human being. Yeah. Like, the things... So... I don't think people know what all it takes to be like a homicide detective, but there's a certain degree of <clears throat> being able to examine details and a certain degree of science and math that goes into it. It's all pretty brilliant. And that's what that scene's all about. Right. Right. That. So love that. So you, you took one right off my list. I was talking about the team. We led right into that. Um, my, one that has to deal with the team itself mm-hmm. is the desk incident. In, <laughs> with, <laughs> I was thinking about that. What a metaphor that is. Oh, that's exactly what I have written down here. It is a great metaphor for what is actually happening in this show. You got mm-hmm. two teams. Well, you got a team not communicating right. at all. They're not talking one's got an idea of what they want to do. The other one has an idea of what they want to do. And they they working, both are supposedly working, working for the same goal. Each other. But to get that couch in one, wherever it's supposed to go, they're working against each other to do. And it's very okay, simplistic. The setup so people understand that. is Herc is trying to get a desk into the office, but he, everyone thinks he's trying to get the desk out of the office and it's jammed <laughs> in the door. And so you have four and five like burly men all trying to like do something with this. They're desk pushing against each other. And they're pushing against each other. 
Oh, Again, what a and metaphor for modern policing. Lester's sitting there watching the whole time, mm -hmm. and he yep. knows what they're doing, and he doesn't even know if he wants to say anything to him. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, should I say something? I don't know. And then, oh, uh, yes, it is a great, great encapsulation of mm -hmm. a lot of what you see in this show. Uh, the uh, Another scene, since you took one of them off my list here, uh, the other scene that kind of humanize things for me you know we see these two opposing forces we see mm -hmm. the law versus the drug dealers but when they get Bodie and beat the crap out of Bodie in the uh when they're interrogating him mm -hmm. i think they 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 lay it on him i think um and then like they're waiting for juvie to come pick him up mm -hmm. uh and he he says something i can't remember what it is that actually makes them kind of go oh well hey you know they 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 see him as a person for a second and the next mm -hmm. thing you know they're sitting there playing pool against each other in the right. in the break room um so again that's one of my favorite parts about this show is like it's not always just the cops versus the villains the drug dealers here it's mm -hmm. it is two human beings and that gets it's not in this season i think it's in a later season maybe next season when they run into each other you know that the drug dealers the, run into the cops at, at the, the movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, what, what are they going to do? Is there, is there going to, they're going to have a big old brawl. No, that they're just going to talk about what they're doing. Right. So well, this season, there's the basketball game where you meet proposition Joe. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and Prop then Herc and Carver are there and they're just hanging out with Bodie and Poot watching the basketball game. Yeah. Right. It, it's something that, you know, these are people folks. They're not just characters. They are people. Mm -hmm. Um, so okay a, uh, can i tell you one of my favorite scenes absolutely because it because it illustrates it, you know there's only so many resources to go around and sometimes resources have to be reallocated depending on what the new priority happens to be there's a line later on i think it's season three or four where uh Carchetti becomes mayor and, he, and they're talking about the bowls of shit um Oh, I'm sorry. It's Burrell when he's talking to Daniels, when Daniels is taking over as police commissioner or deputy commissioner or whatever it is. Okay. And he's like, one minute they're telling you make quality arrests. The next minute they're saying, well, you know, wipe, wipe the horse out of the town square. And the next minute they're telling you something completely antithetical to what they just told you. You think you think I'm a hack. Maybe I am. But wait until you have to try this job and it, and it goes and that's why i thought it was the same bit but it's a different bit where they're talking to carcetti about the bulls of shit you mm -hmm. know um but the reason why i brought up a later season is to talk about what happens at the uh, at the fbi building so oh, they yeah, have this yeah. they have this you know whole, uh, mcnulty's whole thing is that the barksdale organization is dropping bodies left and right they're killing people worse than any terrorist would ever do in, in America in 2002. But because it's 2002, what happened in 2001, Jesse? That would be the towers falling, and we are going to focus right. on terrorism. Right. Uh, and so, international terrorism. Right. And so what the show talks about is the FBI changing priorities to big-time drug, drug dealers to terrorism and moving resources to deal with that. So, and then, so there's McNulty's like, but this is a terrorist organization. These people are terrorizing the Baltimore community. Right. But unless one of them name is Ahmed, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and he's claiming to be a Muslim who gives a shit. And All McNulty's right. like murder is murder. Like if you do it with a plane or if you do it with a handgun, you know, if 
what difference does it make? Murder is murder. And they're like, well, it's not the right kind of murder for us. Yeah. And then even better, they're like, if you've got like political things we can do, if you've got racketeering, we can go after, we'll help you with right. that. And then they want to, like, and then they wanted to turn Avon Boxdale into a, into a cooperator. Cooperative. And McNulty's yeah. like, suck my dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had had enough of that. And, and, right. You know, and it, I love it, that scene for that reason. Right. It just shows you what politics, how politics influences yeah. what's going, you know, the people that you believe are villains. And the word is complexity, right? The wire deals it. with the complexity of systems. This is something I learned actually learned about in grad school. But you know, if you think about like there are different systems interacting with each other and how complex that can be, and that much like the desk incident, you have organizations working against each other because they have different priorities. Yep. This is the wire. Yeah. Yeah, I see it with my own job. Mm -hmm. I see where priorities are, you know, something is way up here and something is way down here on a project that we're working. And I, when I see the one down here, I'm looking at this and I'm going, man, that seems awful important. Mm -hmm. You know, that seems like it would be costing a lot of money. But because it's not up here and it's way down here, right? you know, it's it's just getting this short so that's exactly how i'm sure how i'm sure the fbi is looking at what's going on with mcnulty they're saying right. oh this is not a priority now we right. don't care about drugs we're not meanwhile, well meanwhile not McNulty's we like care. my city is being you know torn to shreds and you have right. the power to do something about it and, and that that is an ongoing theme throughout all five seasons of the wire those in power do not mm -hmm. for whatever the reasons are and the frustration therein um, you know, again, we'll get to it when we get when we start talking about seasons three, four, and five. But you know, you have Carcetti who means well and wants to do the right thing. I mean, he's searching for power as all men do. But he, in particular, is like, I see the problems inherent in the city, and I do want to do something about it. And that goes to the bullshit um, monologue about how you know the con. I, I can't wait to talk about these seasons because the conversations that take place in City Hall. You know, where he's talking to like the one black woman who, you know, who's just like, nope, you can't do that. And if you do that, you're going to piss off the ministers. And these are the people mm. that I represent. And if you piss off the ministers, you might as well just go home. Like, mm -hmm. you can't get anything done. Yeah. You know, it is a, it is a, um, an example, a microcosm of the greater issues you have, like in, in federal Congress, of you have two, these two different parties. And there's so little that can be done because, they have their own masters to serve. That's and that's the phrase that I I go back to when I think about what the wire is. It's about you know it's about serving various masters and those masters don't all agree. Mm -hmm. um, right. And they have di they have different agendas. They have different priorities. And so you know it's so hard. It, the The right thing is easy to identify and almost impossible to do. That's the lesson, and yeah. that's that's the tragedy. All right, next really on your is. list. Uh, I did have, I mean, what I was going to lead my list off with was I enjoy watching Prez be a fuck up and then mm -hmm. actually become useful. Uh, he's probably a, a nice little shining light in this. Can series. I tell you, I think, and I think it's season two, the cold open is walk the line and he's like rearranging the board so that it makes sense. It's like one of oh. my favorite scenes of all five seasons of the wire at all. Nice. I, I, I love that. I Pre Prez. You know, like when he figures out the code, so he's he's he cracks the case wide open. 
Yeah, because he's, they, he's the guy, the one guy that that shot his gun mm -hmm. in office. He discharged <laughs> his own firearm right. in the office. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and everybody's like, I, you're right then. You're writing this guy off. Right. And this guy. And he's the one that blinded the kid who then was like later on. was like, you're trying yep. to fit me for a Reese cup. Um, <laughs> not even Reese's. Reese. Um, <laughs> apparently Baltimore has its own dialect. But uh, it's, it's Balmer, sir. Balmer, not Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, Balmer County. Balmer County. Um, uh, you know they say it so many times. I legitimately thought it was pronounced Balmer. Like <laughs> I was That's like, it's, just, it's not Baltimore. Yeah. It's just Balmer. It's, it's Balmer. something else entirely. Anyway. Um, you know, and shooting it into the office. Guy that figures out what the beeper code is. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. Like, you know, and that's the other thing that the show talks about is not every cop needs to be Herc. You don't need to be jumping out of the squad car tackling people. You can be the in-office guy who's, you know, there's an entire scene of like Sindor, Lester, and um, Presbalewski following the money and like, you know, doing the minutia of figuring out where does all this drug money go? And, and what does that tell us about the end? What does that tell us about our enemy? It's great. Right. I had uh, Lester Freeman, one of my favorite quotes from him was about how everybody's name is on a piece of paper somewhere. Right. And you don't really realize how, like, okay, if somebody wanted to track you down, they could track you down. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. They can, they're, you've either got your name on something because Avon, Avon is a very, very disciplined criminal. Yeah very God, disciplined when they finally catch up to him and arrest him in the script club and he's like might as well open the safe no need and ruin a good safe <laughs> he's just sitting there waiting for him to come in right. it's like look at these motherfuckers out here they're watching them from cameras <laughs> getting ready to raid the place mm -hmm. and i mean everything's empty except for the safe and they're just right. sitting there and they walk in and he gets up and puts his hands behind his back but he's so disciplined almost mm -hmm. to the point where you think he's paranoid there's right. probably some there's well, I'd imagine there's absolutely some element of that, but he is very disciplined. He has his rules, you know, don't don't talk in the car, don't you know, don't talk business outside, do this, that, and the other. And Omar almost gets him. Mm -hmm. And that's where he realizes, oh shit, I need to really buckle down because it's very it's it's uh very telling that oh I'm letting <clears throat> some of these rules slip. Um but anyway, yeah, it, it's it's to watch them catch up with Avon and because that's the whole show is them trying to just nail this guy. Mm -hmm. And he is just a step ahead. The one scene, which I've seen as probably one of the better scenes, uh, uh, people tout this scene as one of the best scenes of season one where they're tr tracking Avon. I think it's after the game, mm -hmm. uh, after the basketball game. And he leads him on a wild goose chase. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you know, at the end of it, he's coming up the other way as Lieutenant Daniels is going the other way and he's just waving his finger. <laughs> Not going to get me. It ain't happening. My last favorite scene I want to talk about, and I would be mad at myself if I didn't bring this up because it's lit. It is probably my most favorite scene of the entire five seasons of The Wire. It's so funny to me, but it, it's, it rings so true and it, it's, it's just brilliant. So Weebay has killed a lot of people. I knew you was going to this one. This is so a great many. Scene. He's killed so many. <laughs> and, and he escapes to Philadelphia, but they, you know, they, they get some evidence together. They are able to track him down. 
they set up an entire thing to you know to draw him out and tackle him to the ground and bring him down they have him dead to rights on a whole bunch of murders including kima including well, that's what killed. really set this off is that kima got shot now we got a down police all right um i mean he didn't kill kima kima lives but well right yeah. right right but he but he, 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 he is part of yeah um so they have him dead to rights on so many murders the point to, to the point where if they wanted to they could um they could give him the death penalty they take the death penalty off the table if he's willing to admit that he murdered people and because he is loyal to the Barksdale organization because if, if as long as he does the right thing, they will send money to his family. And so he knows that he's not going to get death. He knows that there's no way he's not going to get life. And he's loyal. When they start talking to him about other murders, he just starts taking murders just to take them. Just so yeah, nobody else. Well, hang on. I was going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, it's basically... I will admit to all the murders I can to save anyone else from being arrested for those murders. Like I'll just sacrifice myself because what more could they possibly do to me? I'm right. already done. So I might as well be a help to the organization by taking murders from bird, taking murders from this one, taking murders from that one. I'll take them all. I'll admit to all of them because there's nothing more they can do to me and loyalty will be rewarded, but he doesn't just do it. They offer him a sandwich and more potato salad. <laughs> and he literally says, for another sandwich and potato salad, I'll admit to more murders, sure. And they give it to him. They oh. get him another sandwich. Oh, man. Didn't have didn't have the potato salad. They had coleslaw. He was a little, yeah. he was a little upset about that. But, he was. Uh, he was he irritated. He took the murders anyway. But that, what, yeah. what a brilliant line. He was like, for, for a pita sandwich and I don't even know what kind of sandwich he was eating. For a pita sandwich, a potato salad, I'll go a few more. Like, he's just so nonchalant about it. Right. He has I wanna, yeah. If I ever start murdering people, I literally will. I want to do that. I'm like, I will admit to more murders for a pita, for a pita sandwich and more, and more potato salad. Oh, man. That's so good. Um, my, It's not nearly as good, but the sequence with Bird. Boy, they got the right they got the right rapper for that, man. I, again, I think it's it's Sticky Fingers. Um, from Onyx, and he's like gone to this. It's just like he, everybody that talks to him, he's like, "Fuck you, fuck you, fat ass!" And, uh, oh, and they yeah, beat the living piss out of him. Yes, they do. <laughs> oh wow, do they ever? Mm -hmm. Man. It's so funny. Um, it's okay. You're any anything else from you? Well, let we're we're closing in on the hour yep. mark here. I want to go ahead and throw it to you here real quick with a question. Sure. So we reached the end of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, we watched the Avon Barksdale organization go on trial. Basically, they're up in front of court and they're bringing the charges. Yeah. They arrest these guys. And they don't uh, get nearly the amount of time that that they were bargaining for with the amount of murders that took place. Right. I mean, because they at this point, the pressure is on to bring these people in. You, you're costing mm -hmm. the city money by doing this. Uh, yeah. and now we finally reached, you bring these people in on the charges that you have. So right. everybody starts, you know, getting sentenced or whatever. Um, McNulty is there. <clears throat> Bunk kind of tells him what we Bay just did. <laughs> uh, and then hang on one second. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. Jesus. What the fuck did I do? You happy now, bitch?
There it is. <laughs> yep. There it is. That's exactly what I was leading to. So why don't mm-hmm. you go ahead and tell everybody what your interpretation of what McNulty is talking about he there. He burned his own career. He nearly cost the judge his judgeship. He brought undue attention to a police force that did not want it. He cost other people on that team their positions, possibly their careers, and won almost her life. And it was a drop in the bucket. All of that for a a handful of years that Avon won't do the whole thing. You know, the, the tacit realization, they spent months and millions trying to bring this organization down and it did not have the effect that he wanted. And, you know, it was like, what was all of this for? Was it all for nothing? And then the next time you see McNulty, he's on the boat. Yep. Yep. Bunk throwing him some liquor. Keep yourself. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I just think about how many t- TV series, a season, you know, the series finale or the season finale is like a, a happier ending. You know, things are wrapped up. And how every season of The Wire ends in tragedy. Right. Everyone is worse off. <laughs> like, everyone. That no, yeah. Nobody gets out alive. Nobody gets out clean. Every Think about, like, season two, how bad a shape the ports are in, how much worse the police, you know, and the, uh, uh, the Barksdale organization are in. Season three, you know, a Bunny getting demoted for legalizing drugs, essentially. Mm-hmm how much worse off they they are, you know, season four, um, season four and season five are basically parts one and two of uh, of essentially what I've called like the Marlowe Stansfield seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it deals with all like the bodies and the vacants and, you know, and they, you know, it's like, it's not, there's something that's so much worse off that the bodies were there, but you know, the the realization like, Oh my God, that's how Marlowe got away with like taking over the city's drug trade and -hmm. killing all as many people as he did. No one saw anything. He was putting bodies in vacants, and they only mm. figure it out towards the end of season four. Um, but like the kids are all worse off. Like the kids who are not in great shape to begin with are all worse off by the end of season four. And in season five, McNulty's like lost his job. You know, yeah. Lester's been forced into retirement. Daniels has quit. Like, you know, yeah, like I, you know, at, at this at the end of season one, mm-hmm. Lester seems to be like maybe getting the better end of what's happened mm-hmm. uh, as a result of this the events of this season however you realize that he has to work for Rawls right and Rawls is a shit bag throughout this thing he's a hell he of... has got some funny fucking lines though oh does these he are ever... for you McNulty <laughs> these are for you I can oh and fat John Cena I cannot remember his name um oh um Jay yeah the, the sergeant so them two like him completely Completely kissing Rawls's ass mm-hmm. every time he's in the room. Oh my God, Jay's soliloquy about giving McNulty a chance <laughs> that starts with him jerking off and not being able to focus because he's thinking right. about McNulty. <laughs> That's writing right there. Oh that my is God, great writing. They great they could have that scene could have been so much simpler, but no, we have to go through a long flowery explanation of how he was all set up to beat all that right. meat. And he's like, but I can't because McNulty's a good cop, but I don't want to see him hurt. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Man. Yeah, but yeah, man. I did. Okay, have you had that scene sitting there on the on your uh, like soundboard yeah. or whatever for? Yeah, I, I was the intention this? was to play it every time I brought up the wire. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, hey, 
you know, it worked perfectly for what I was yes. setting you up for here. It, no, we did not even plan that, folks. Nope. Um, I, you know, we didn't talk a lot about Bubs. This will be the last thing I kind of say, but I, Bubs is kind of like now that I've seen the corner, Bubs is the corner of this show. You know, yeah. he he is the guy that we're watching go through these uh, you know, friend of Kima, but you know, he's, he's struggling with his own drug addiction and we, we kind of watch him. Obviously he's an essential part to the wire. Just like you said, he was, he's helping identify some of these suspects with the right. whole red hat strategy that they were mm -hmm. doing. Uh, but you know, it, it adds that personal element to this guy. And I I'm, I'm invested with bubs. I want to see this guy get better and you watch him get better. And then he doesn't get better. And it, yeah. it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, but yeah, it's the, the, the it's the, the corner element. The tragedy of bubs is that he doesn't want to be a heroin addict, but he can't help it. And right. that he's such it's... a broken individual. Like you'll learn more about bubs over the course of the next four seasons. And, you know, and I talk about how like nobody is better off by the end of the wire bubs is, but, but, Bubs is going to be replaced by Dookie, you know, and, and again, we're back to the desk again as one, you know, as one comes in, the other one's going out, mm -hmm. you know, everything is zero sum, which um, I keep using the word tragedy, but I, I don't know what how else to put it. Like that is the great sadness of the wire is by after the end of five seasons, what all have we accomplished here? Not much. Right. We've, we've, We've moved forward, but somehow stood still at the same time. You know, again, it's the desk. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, so I said, when we, you know, Bubs, Bubs is motivated by revenge. He's motivated by wanting to avenge Johnny's beatdown. Um, and just again, you know, that that's the kind of similarity that Bubs has to Omar, where it's one thing to get, you know, to get an ass whooping. It's a whole other thing to do what they did to Johnny for no good reason. Right. So it's like right. there are two instances where Avon Barksdale's crew would have remained untouched and you know and unmolested by the uh, the Baltimore uh, police detail, but because they went too far, they aggravated two different people who were willing to um, cooperate with the cops just to bring them down. Right. Which I think is an, I never really thought about it until just now, like how much of that, how much of the detail success is hinged upon. The Barksdale crew crossing lines, and right? Going with, way too far. With yeah, with either uh, criminals or drug dealers, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> or, or drug addicts, uh, and yeah, that's it, it's all in the game, as they're saying. <laughs> it's all in the game. Yo, you got them jumbo sixes. It's all in the game. It's all in the game. It's all in the game, Jesse. Yeah, buddy. No kidding. Well, hey, what I. I've said my piece. You know, this mm -hmm. is your turn. I get to look at you and say, is there anything left unsaid, Mark Radelich? <laughs> I honestly could have talked for another hour about this, but I think people get it. Um, the show is the show is about the ugly underbelly truth of uh, urban society and policing. I think the, the wire is re more relevant today than it was 20 years ago. And it is 20 years, you know, 2002. Yeah, it is. 20 years later, we're still very, you know, we're still debating. Do we decriminalize or, you know, and go to harm reduction models? Or do we, you know, continue to militarize the police? You know, we're arguing about whether or not we should defund the police or whether we should continue to throw, re you know, military resources at them. Um, there's a question about, 
what is effective policing? How how should your local sheriffs and police departments interact with the public to build trust? Do they want to build trust? You know, the whole Black Lives Matter is a, you know, speaks to the incidents of the police going overboard and killing people unnecessarily. But I tell you, working in correctional health care as I have for the past 10 years, if I had a cop here right now, if I had a deputy here right now, they would be telling you, you know, or, you know, people who follow the statistics, it's not, you know, it's it's much not much ado about nothing, but it's certainly the amount of like unnecessary force or, you know, or uh, unnecessary kills and stuff like that is infinitesimal compared to the amount of uh, incidents where people are arrested and everyone followed the rules and was appropriate. Mm-hmm. But that's the conversation that needs to be happening and it is happening. And that's the relevance of the wire, I guess, is my point. That 20 years later, we're still talking about all of this stuff. We're still struggling through it. We're still trying to, you know, when we talked about the boys, I talked about how, like, we, we can't decide what is toxic masculinity and what is just regular good old-fashioned masculinity. You know, right now, we are still debating what is good policing and what is bad policing. And it should be more common sense than all that, but apparently it isn't. We're still struggling with this. And that's what The Wire talks about. What is good policing? What is bad policing? How, you know, what helps the community? What hinders the community? Um, what do we, do? you know, what social, uh, social societal things are going on that creates an environment in which poor kids will turn to drug dealing? How do we effectively deal with that? You know, these are all questions 20 years later we still can't seem to answer. That's that's the beauty of this show. Um, yeah. It's it's extremely well acted. It's extremely well written. Um, the you know Baltimore itself really shines as a character, and you know in the show, like it, it definitely feels if, if there's a there's a lot of character to the city of Baltimore. So that's really it. That's all I have to say. We'll do season two next month, and you know over the course of the next few months, finish this up. I will talk more about it. You know I. It's funny now that we've done this and we're you know we're at an hour and ten minutes. I I didn't know how to, almost how to deal with this show because I didn't want to go episode by episode or even character by character. I just kind of wanted to just talk about it. So I don't sure. know if anyone listening. I mean, I I would assume they could pick up on like the passion I have for this and what it means to me and how you know and how the show has spoken to me over the years. But I don't even know if I did a great enough job kind of like telling people what this show is. Like it's so big. It's not on unwieldy. It's just so big and it's so important. I don't feel like an hour and 10 minutes was enough, but I don't want to be here for five hours. <laughs> you can do the movies by minute method and do a, a wire episode uh, like every minute by minute and talk about that. I, do you think that would satiate your compa- your your passion for this? I think I would go show? nuts. <laughs> Omar's whistling again. Minute number 933. The farmer (laughs) in the dell. Jesse, do you have any final thoughts here before we Uh, move on? You know, David Simon's knocking it out of the park here. This Mm -hmm. is the wire. This is, you know, this This is is what brought you. I mean, I haven't watched Generation Kill, so I don't know this for sure. But I mean, I when I think about like Treme and Show Me a Hero and the Deuce, nothing's as ever nothing he's done has been as good as the wire. I mean, stuff has been close. Treme was good, but and again, all I can't three of those things I haven't kill. seen yet. 
I've okay. never seen either, Look, either three. Of I love three of porn. The Deuce is great. It's not as good as The Wire. I love New Orleans. Nolans. As I said to my friend earlier this evening. Not as good. Not even close. As, as good as The Wire. Like, I was so excited for Treme after The Wire ended. I'm like, oh, more David Simon. And I watched Treme and I'm like, this isn't as good. Can't follow it up. No. He, uh, it was brilliant and it, it is unique and there's never been anything quite like it since. So, all right. That is the end of me gushing about The Wire season one. Uh, earlier in the week, we reviewed Prey. Didn't do nearly as much gushing. Uh, <laughs> you guys were mean to that show. Uh, Jesse and I reviewed Kaiju Score, of which we were very, we, we, you know, we That's were very right. nice about. Yes. Um, this weekend, I will be away. But we've got some canned ham for you. Mm, we've got uh, no bananas. <laughs> we've got... No bananas today. <laughs> um. On Monday, uh, Sunday, we will have a Damn You Hollywood re-air of our review of Peach Dragon from a few years ago, the remake. Um, back when I was going through CAR-T uh, for my second bout of cancer, uh, uh, Pat Mullen uh, called in while I was at the hospital, and we did a commentary for Over the Top, which was fantastic. No, wait, I don't know if that... No, that one... No, sorry, the one I did it in, while I was in the hospital was... Um, Iron Eagle. So, but we did do one for Over the Top, and that'll be uh, airing on the twenty second. And then, damn you, Hollywood will be reviewing the Gray Man on Tuesday. Um, Jesse will have an unspoken issues for Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine, and then Five Finger Death Punch Afterlife Ooh. review on the twenty fifth. So, plus a new Metal Hammer of Doom extra, and which I will tell you more sexy stories. Jesse, do you love my sexy stories? <laughs> yeah buddy <laughs> uh, they're entertaining all right anything else before we go no nah, man uh, i can't wait to talk about season two now it's something new to watch something new to talk about yep all right for jesse starcher this has been and i am mark rattledge this has been from the deuce hi welcome to the rattledge broadcasting network <laughs> <laughs> let's do this whole show over again. <laughs> start all over again <laughs> fuck it we'll do it live um <laughs> From the corner to the deuce, the great works of David Simon. For Jesse Starcher, I'm Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.